As the old saying goes, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And in some respects, the tables did turn on Arizona State basketball during this Los Angeles road trip. Against UCLA, ASU for a change was on the receiving end of a winning basket in the waning seconds of a game. And even though it has been able to mount several second-half comebacks, not only this season, but really in the entire tenure of Bobby Hurley and Tempe, they could not overcome a very slow start against USC en route to a loss there, which marked the first time the Sun Devils were swept on the road this year during Pac-12 play. So what does it all mean for the Sun Devils and their NCAA tournament chances? Well, as the calendar flips to March, postseason play is obviously squarely on all of our minds, and naturally, we'll go in-depth on that topic in this podcast. And later on, we'll shift gears to football. First week of spring practice is behind us, and I will share my observations of the first four sessions for ASU and discuss some of the storylines we should expect to see in the upcoming weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get this podcast started. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDigest.com publisher, Hode Rubino. You knew Arizona State's seven-game win streak in Pacto play would have to come to an end sooner or later, and that is exactly what happened in Los Angeles over the weekend. Arizona State lost in a virtual buzzer-beater three-pointer, 75-72 against UCLA and Pauley Pavilion. Two days later, the Galen Center, Arizona State dug itself a hole. They had a double-digit deficit to the Trojans in the first half, ultimately losing that contest 71-61. to The question is, how much do you put those losses in perspective? And more importantly, when you look at the big picture, and there's really only one picture to look at in the month of March, how does that affect, one way or another, the Sun Devils' chances of notching a third consecutive trip to the NCAA tournament, something that has not been achieved in Tempe since the early 60s? As it stands now, Arizona State is definitely in, and I should say comfortably in. In other words, not having to visit the fine city of Dayton for the third year in a row, playing in what is affectionately or not so affectionately known as the last four in or the play-in game in the NCAA tournament. Needless to say that to continue and have that position when it comes to postseason prospects, Arizona State will have to sweep the last two regular season games remaining, both of them in Tempe, both of them against the Washington schools. And there's obviously no guarantees in college basketball, especially not in a conference like the Pac-12, which has been known to cannibalize each other this season quite well. But nonetheless, I think that the scheduling gods did look upon favorably at Arizona State. And after a very challenging start to conference play, one that saw Arizona State begin at a one and three mark, the Sun Devils face, and I'll use the word comfortable probably with some degree of caution, but nonetheless, facing Washington on Thursday, the Huskies are right now ranked dead last in the Pac-12. And on Saturday, Arizona State will face Washington State Cougars, who are currently ranked ninth in the Pac-12. So again, if Arizona State does come out victorious in those two games, and I fully expect them to do exactly that. They definitely remove themselves from any bubble talk whatsoever. Probably still remain around the 
number nine seed line, maybe sneak into number eight, depending on what other teams accomplish or do not accomplish this coming weekend. Another significant factor over here tied into Arizona State's results this coming week is that if the Sun Devils do win both games against the Washington schools, they're guaranteed to finish no worse than third in the Pac-12, thus ensuring a first-round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. In other words, playing their first game on Thursday against an opponent that did play the day before, which on paper and history would back that up, is a favorable position to be in when you measure your chances of advancing as deep as possible into the Pac-12 tournament, let alone continue to build your NCAA tournament resume. There's obviously never a good timing to be swept on the road, but truth be told that Arizona State was able to dodge some really significant bullets over here losing back-to-back games because the same happened to their in-state rival Arizona, who had duplicate results losing to both LA schools. And on Sunday, Colorado, who just a couple weeks ago was sitting on top of the Pac-12 standings, is now ranked fourth, losing their third game in a row, this one on the road to Stanford. So if we evoke the name of the scheduling gods again, Arizona State had a weird schedule where they actually faced Arizona twice in the month of January and thus have two more games to play this regular season. But Colorado, who's ranked right below them, only has one game left, and that's the game against Utah. So it's impossible for Colorado to surpass Arizona State in the number of wins, again, assuming that the Sun Devils do beat the Washington schools back-to-back this week. That's really another stroke of luck, if you will, uh, for Arizona State, which, again, really did not have a successful weekend by any means, but at the same time, Got a lot of help from some of their Pac-12 brethren in the process, primed right now to earn that first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. So now let's talk about Arizona State's prospects of qualifying for the NCAA tournament. So if there's any downside, if you will, for playing teams of the caliber of Washington State and Washington this week, it's that Arizona State's net ranking, which currently is at number 50, won't improve all that much, even if the Sun Devils were to sweep those schools this week. I'm not saying that Arizona State is going to drop 10 or so spots after two consecutive wins. That that obviously won't happen, but you're not going to see any significant rise in the net rankings just because Arizona State was able to finish the regular season with two consecutive victories. So on that note, I did tweet out on Saturday after the Arizona State lost to USC that Assuming the Sun Devils did beat both Washington schools, they will probably need a deep run in the Pac-12 tournament to not feel nervous on Selection Sunday, to not have the probability of them being the last four in teams, i.e. playing in Dayton, be a real possibility. And truth be told, I did catch a lot of flack for that opinion. And, you know, I'm a big boy. I've been doing this for 20 years, so... I, I have thick skin. I, I can go ahead and absorb that criticism. But I just feel that one factor that may not be taken that seriously or that much in consideration is that upsets in co- conference tournaments all around the country do occur. And if Arizona State did win their last two regular season games but lost 
the first game in the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas, regardless if they lost it to a 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 seed, whatever the case may be. You can't say right there, right then, that Arizona State chances of being a 10 seed or higher, i.e. not playing in Dayton, have increased or have remained the same because there's a lot of unknown factors out there that still need to be resolved, namely the results of the conference tournaments. And the more so-called Cinderella stories that you will have where a team that absolutely had no shot to be part of the field of 68 now wins its conference tournament, that affects teams like Arizona State, who had a very short run in their own conference tournament. Now, look, I be more than happy to be wrong ultimately on my prediction. And I know for a fact that my resident bracketologist, Jeff Griffith, who did a great job breaking down Arizona State's NCAA tournament chances last week, will do the same again around Monday evening. Make sure you check it on our front page at devilsdigest.com. Talking to Jeff earlier today, he made it sound like that even a first-round loss in the Pac-12 tournament to Arizona State, again, assuming that they do beat both Washington schools the week before, probably does not mean that Arizona State is going to be sweating out Selection Sunday, probably doesn't mean that Arizona State is destined to be one of the last four in teams in the field of 68. I will concede to Jeff Griffith's expertise in that sense, but that's my own opinion. I will stick with it. And again, if proven wrong, uh, you guys were know where to find me and you won't have to wait uh, for me to admit that I was wrong. But I just feel that Arizona State's situation right now as it comes to the NCAA tournament chances is good, but is not etched in stone. And still, they need to do enough to take the decision out of the committee's hands in terms of putting them on the bubble putting him in the last four in a group. So it's going to be some very interesting uh, couple weeks over here for Arizona State basketball. But hey, the month of March is one that is always full of drama when it comes to the college basketball world. And if Arizona State is part of that drama one way or another, that probably should not come as a surprise. It's going to be very, very exciting to see what unfolds over here the next couple of weeks. There's no denying that Arizona State did a great job to put themselves in the position they are right now, being in the NCAA tournament, according to several, several predictions out there. Some work to be done. I think it's doable from Arizona State's perspective, and we'll see what the, how the next two weeks unfold. This time last year, Arizona State already concluded its 15 spring practices due to a different recruiting calendar, which only allows prospects to visit campuses starting in middle of March. Thus, Arizona State this year only started spring practices the last week of February, but still giving us something to talk about with four sessions in the book. So... Let's start with the offense. And obviously, 
much different situation in terms of the quarterback compared to this time last year, where we're still talking about a position battle between Jenny Daniels and Dilling Sterling Cole, and how the other two true freshman quarterbacks, Joey Yellen and Ethan Long, would figure in the quarterback race later on in the year. Uh, Jaden Daniels and Ethan Long are the only two signal callers that are left from that group on the 2020 roster. And J.D. Daniels is naturally the unquestionable starter uh, for this year. The only drama concerning Daniels was that because he has classes on Monday, he wasn't able to attend the very first spring practice. And consequently, the two later spring sessions that were supposed to take place on Mondays in March were rescheduled to accommodate the academic schedule of one Jaden Daniels. So we didn't get to see Jaden Daniels for the entire week. We saw him for the last three practices. But nonetheless, you definitely saw a quarterback feeling more and more comfortable in his role. Yes, he did throw an interception in his first practice of spring, something that Herm Edwards, his credit, did correctly predict. He got that mishap out of his system and has looked solid from there on out. When you look at the backup quarterback position, that's probably more of a storyline when it comes to this role, because by default, you expected Ethan Long to be the number two quarterback, actually took first team reps on that Monday where Jaden Daniels had to attend class. And Trent uh, Bourget, the walk-on from locally here in Marana, was predicted to be the number three quarterback once Jaden Daniels returned to practice. Well, Trent Borgay has been one of the biggest surprises of Arizona State's spring practice. Right now, he is firmly the number two quarterback for the Sun Devils. Now, what happens come fall camp? Can Ethan Long reclaim that position? Can true freshman uh, Dalen Mecklemore, who is going to arrive here in the summer, can make a charge of his own to that backup role. That remains to be seen. But Trent Bourget, who, according to our local recruiting analyst, Ralph Amson, is an absolute local seven-on-seven tournament god, really has impressed quite a bit in in spring practice with his accuracy, with his decision-making, and is by far one of the biggest pleasant surprises after the first week of spring practices. So that's one storyline to follow for the rest of spring practice and really into fall camp. Uh, It would be quite the story to see Bourget be on opening day, the backup to Jaden Daniels. I think there's a good chance right now that he could earn a scholarship for the 2020 season. And I think if he continues to play in spring the way he has played in the first week, he definitely earned that scholarship and then some. We look at the running back position, uh, inexperience really stares you in the eye. I mean, obviously, when you talk about filling really big shoes that Eno Benjamin has left behind, it's a monumental task and a task that falls on the shoulders of newcomers like DeMonte Trainum and Daniel Nada or returning players such as A.J. Carter and Demetrius Flowers, who really saw very little playing time behind Eno Benjamin in 2019 and now are thrusted to the limelight, if you will, as being a feature running back. We already know that Arizona State is definitely going to not have the workhorse approach, if you will, that Eno Benjamin had in the last couple of years here in Tempe. 
They definitely want two, three running backs carrying the ball on a consistent basis each and every Saturday. So you figure that one of the true freshmen, either Trainum or Nada, will definitely be part of that mix. Uh, when you talk about DeMonte Trainum, that guy, simply put, has come as advertised. He is chiseled in, in terms of his physique, but shows a great degree of quickness, an absolute explosive running back. I'm not going to say right here, right now, that Trainum is going to make you forget about Eno Benjamin, but nonetheless, this true freshman has been impressive all week long. And I know when it comes to running backs and really both offensive and defensive line, you really wait for the first day of pass to take place to maybe more accurately evaluate their performance. And even though there has been only one practice in pads for the Sun Devils, which really was the fourth session in the spring, DeMonte Trainum looked just as impressive as he did just with helmet and shorts. I think that this is a player that Arizona State fans are going to fall in love really quickly with. And Daniel Nada, who is supposed to be the lightning to the thunder of DeMonte Trainum, if you will, uh, has really been impressive in, in his own right. I think running between the tackles, probably with more proficiency than some have as expected him to do. But all in all, I think Arizona State, even though you have a small sample size when it comes to spring practices, did a great job recruiting and landing two very talented freshman running backs. AJ Carter, a returning a returning player, has showed some flashes here and there. Um, I'm not ready to say that he is definitely going to be below the two freshmen on, on the depth chart, that there's a lot to be determined when it comes to that, but definitely showed some flashes uh, in the spring. And uh, Demetrius Flowers, who missed the first couple of sessions due to personal reasons, still in the mix over there. Maybe a little behind the eight ball just because of the time that he missed, but I think things can even out for him by the second, third week of spring practice. Really curious to see what he can do. So, again, it's definitely going to be running back by committee for the Sun Devils, but a lot of promising talent over there, especially from its two true freshmen. But the returning players, I think, still have a chance to make their own mark in this role. Moving to the offensive line, it's still going to be one unit that is going to have a lot of underclassmen playing as starters. You obviously have Donovan West and Ladarius Henderson, who played a ton of games as true freshmen, now as sophomores, both of them being integral parts of this offensive line. Ladarius Henderson is moving from left tackle to right tackle and was very candid in his comments about the challenges, if not the struggles, of learning that new position. And I know his comments maybe took some ASU fans aback a little, but to me it was just a young player being very candid about the learning curve that he's experiencing right now. Henderson is a very high IQ player, Somebody has a great disposition, and in my opinion, somebody that really can grasp the duties and everything that comes with playing right tackle sooner rather than later, even though his comments, I know, were striking in in some sense. But nonetheless, I think just being brutally honest about what he's experiencing right now, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him playing at a higher level when spring practices conclude. So last year, Arizona State had two underclassmen in the starting lineup, and this year it's poised to have three. And the third player being Ben Scott, who started spring practice as a first-team center. As we all know, 
Kate Cote, who was slated to be the center this year for Arizona State, is still awaiting a decision from the NCAA whether or not he will receive a six-year of eligibility. If he does, he should be penciled as a starting center for Arizona State. But as the NCAA continues to deliberate on that decision, the contingency plan is for Ben Scott to be the starting center for Arizona State. Ben Scott is someone who won Scout Team Player of the Year last season, an offensive lineman who impressed quite a bit from the minute he arrived in Tempe. And I wasn't too surprised to see him being picked as the first team center for Arizona State and somebody who I feel has a bright, bright future ahead of him. Granted, he's been thrown into the fire in spring practice and could be very, very well thrown into the fire when the 2020 season begins. But I haven't seen too many snap mishaps or just play in general that would show that Scott is having a hard time adjusting to a role that he told us he really did not play in high school, never thought he would play that role at Arizona State. Team sources told me before spring practice started that they were figuring Ben Scott would be a swing lineman between tackle and guard. There really wasn't any talk of him playing center. But as the eligibility picture of Kate Cote continues to be cloudy, if you will, Ben Scott is the one assuming duties right now at center. At left guard, we find Jared Bell taking first-team snaps the first week of spring practice. And Jared Bell is somebody who, compared to a Donovan West and a Ladaris Henderson, for example, came with much more fanfare than those two, but really took a longer-than-expected time, I think in some people's opinion, to acclimate to the, to, to the college level. If you recall, he did start at right guard for Arizona State the first couple of games with Donovan West starting at center, Cole Cabral starting a left tackle. The Sun Devil coaching staff decided that Cole Cabral needed to play his natural position as a center. That moved Donovan West to right guard and in turn knocked out Jared Bell from the starting lineup. So he's definitely someone who believes he has a lot to prove. And now at left guard, he'll definitely have the chance to do that. And at left tackle, Texas A&M grad transfer Kalen Deesh, all 6'6", 300 pounds of him. Somebody who Herm Edwards was raving about for weeks and months ahead of spring practice about his physical size. Really been impressed what what he has been doing there right now. I think that Arizona State's pass rush really have not been all that effective with an offensive line that, that was playing quite well. Again, only one session in pads, so the sample size isn't that great. But I think in terms of running lanes, I think in terms of pass protection, this offensive line has played quite well. We'll see what the rest of spring practice brings, but that's your starting offensive line right now for Arizona State. Again, still a lot of inexperience on that line, but if they can come together as everybody expects it to be by the end of spring practice, then this is one unit that may actually end up playing better than it did last year. And even though 2019 was much heavier on the upperclassmen factor, I still think that this offensive line on paper could end up being a stronger unit than it was in 2019. When you look at the uh, tight end position, uh, very shallow in depth with Curtis Hodges and Nolan Matthews, but offensive coordinator Zach Hill 
is known to involve his tight ends in the passing game quite a bit, and that's exactly what we've seen the first week of spring practice. Those tight ends are being targeted early and often, and even though the depth is very, very shallow right now, Herm Edwards expects to have five tight ends when fall camp begins. But nonetheless, I don't think Zach Hill, the new offensive coordinator, has been shy of targeting those tight ends early and often in spring practice. Even though Curtis Hodges hasn't had a clean four sessions for the Sun Devils, I think we're seeing somebody who is more sure-handed than not. Uh, Somebody who had a minor injury the first week of spring practice but came back right away and played. And this really could be a redemption tour, if you will, for Curtis Hodges, somebody who, due to injuries, due to off-the-field issues, really has not been able to even come close to maximizing his potential at tight end. But I've seen a lot of promising signs this first four practices from him. He actually was really assuming most of the first team duties. And I think a lot of folks actually thought that Nolan Matthews, the sophomore, would be the one that would have uh, a grasp on the, on the first team duties. But right now it is Curtis Hodges. Nolan Matthews has been doing quite well himself. So curious to see how this tight end group really looks come fall camp, because again, very small sample size to examine the first week of spring practice. But nonetheless, I uh, have been impressed how much how involved these two tight ends have been in the passing game. And by and large, they have been running routes uh, in a pretty efficient manner, being sure-handed for the most part. So good to see that element maybe coming closer than ever to fruition when it comes to involving them in the passing game. When you look at the wide receiver group, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but inexperience is all the rage here as well. Granted, you have senior Frank Darby as a very proven returning player for the Sun Devils. But really, aside from him, a lot of wide receivers that are young and or inexperienced that have a great chance in spring practice to come to the forefront. A calf injury to to Frank Darby, which should sideline him for some, but not all of the rest of spring practice, is only giving that many more opportunities for those inexperienced and or young players to shine. And one player that really has grabbed this opportunity in a very impressive fashion is Brandon Pierce, who was a junior college transfer last year. Didn't really get to see a whole lot of playing time at all. A classic slot wide receiver who had time finding snaps behind Kyle Williams and Ryan Newsom, two outgoing seniors. But in spring practice, he has by far been the best wide receiver out there by far, if he had made a list of a top three, top five pleasant surprises of the first week of spring practice, Brandon Pierce's name is there front and center, uh, really having a great chemistry with both uh, quarterbacks, Daniels and, and, and Berger, a track speed wide receiver that I don't think lost any foot race to any defensive back that was covering him out there. So when Frank Darby is healthy, you got a downfield threat in him. Now you may have a potential legitimate downfield threat in Braden Pierce. So the speed factor of this Arizona State wide receiver has increased quite a bit with the emergence of Brandon Pierce. I haven't seen really too much from the other wide receivers that are vying for starting positions or really figuring right now in the two deep, Jordan Porter, Ricky Purcell, Jordan Curley. 
you've seen flashes here and there, but I don't know if any of them really stood out, at least not through the first week of spring practice. I did mention in my video recap, which you can find on my YouTube channel, Devil's Digest, that Andre Johnson, a local wide receiver from Tullison, who redshirted last year, did uh, last Saturday take a significant amount of first-team reps, and he's somebody that didn't do a whole lot the first week of spring practice, but I just have this gut feeling that we really need to keep an eye on him. I'm really curious to see what he can do the rest of spring practice. Somebody who, in my opinion, has the highest ceiling of any returning wide receiver on the Sun Devil roster. So very curious to see his development throughout spring practice. And again, just a running theme, just like with the other players in this group, now that they're getting more snaps, now that they're getting more opportunities, they really have a chance to not only showcase their skills, but also develop their technique and their mechanics that much more. Wrapping up our spring football talk, let's let's discuss defense and special teams. When it comes to the Arizona State defense, the situation is, for good or for bad, crystal clear. You have a very experienced linebackers group and a very experienced secondary group, but there's still some question marks on the defensive line that need to be answered. And granted, after the first week of spring practice, I don't expect all those uncertainties to be solved, but nonetheless, it is one significant factor, not only on this side of the ball, but really on the entire team, that you have to feel good about coming out of spring practice if you're expecting 2020 to be a season where you can indeed take that next step, maybe get over the hump of winning the Pac-12 South and beyond. So when you look at the defensive line, really the only two proven entities over there are Jermaine Lolay and Shannon Foreman, Jermaine Lolay now with a four-man front is playing a three-technique interior position. Uh, right next to him is nose tackle DJ Davidson, who really had an up-and-down 2019 season. I think the jury is still out on DJ Davidson, whether he can be a very effective nose tackle. Now, as an upperclassman, I think the expectations are much higher for him. So, curious to see how he can operate in this four-man front. Is it a scheme that really suits his skills? Is it a scheme that helps him to flourish more in 2020 than he did in 2019? Really curious to see how that unfolds. Uh, I mentioned a second ago, Shannon Foreman. Right now, one starting defensive end. And really, defensive end is a role that has to be elevated from last year. I know in the 3-3-5, it's hard to always achieve a capable pass rush when you're one of those exterior defensive lineman positions in that scheme. Now with a more traditional four-man front, can that scheme, can that system help somebody like Shannon Foreman? That is definitely one of the more intriguing question marks on the defensive line for the Sun Devils. Uh, at the other defensive end position, we've seen uh, Michael Matus start. And the question is, how much longer can he 
pulled off a very talented retro freshman in Amiri Johnson. And for those who don't know, Amiri Johnson, since arriving in June of last year to campus, has put over 50 pounds of pure muscle. The guy already has an NFL body as young as he is. And somebody who, in my opinion, has a very bright future. Now it's just a matter of tapping into that potential as much as possible. So I think that he's poised to have a really good season for Arizona State, but still a very young, raw player. And time will tell if he can realize his full potential for Arizona State. It's really imperative that the pass rush aspect, whether it's coming from the interior or the exterior lineman, improves quite a bit. And Amiri Johnson is definitely one player that there's going to be some kind of level of expectation to be a competent pass rusher when the 2020 season begins. Uh, One note I should uh, mention concerning this defensive line is the arrival of new defensive line coach Robert Rodriguez from the Minnesota Vikings, where where he was an assistant defensive line coach. It's been an absolute joy to watch him coach those players. Uh, He talks about employing NFL-type drills, and that has to be a great recruiting tool for starters, but also something that I think puts a little more pep in the step of the defensive lineman under his direction. Uh, It's really been very, very impressive to see him conduct drills during spring practice. Anybody that attends uh, spring practices, which are open to the public, I would definitely encourage you to spend a good 5-10 minutes to watch Robert Rodriguez in action. I've been very, very impressed to see how he coaches, how he guides this defensive line, which, again, definitely has a great deal of inexperience over there. When you look at the linebacker group, it's obviously headed by a pair of talented juniors in Merlin Robinson and Darren Butler. Now, you do have to add the caveat that Merlin Robinson suffered a horrible tragedy in his family where his dad unexpectedly passed away. Really heartbreaking situation where his dad was at practice on Tuesday. And my understanding is that two days later, unexpectedly passed away from a heart attack at his home. Obviously, thoughts and prayers go to Merlin and his family. So Robinson right now is out indefinitely for the Sun Devils. When you look at the schedule, ASU practice this week and then takes a one-week hiatus for spring break. So it's conceivable that in two weeks, when Arizona State resumes practices after spring break, that Merlin Robinson could be there, but I would not label that as a guarantee. So that's something that definitely remains to be seen. But in, in terms of linebacker play, uh, I think that it has been solid uh, by and large. Uh, you have a returning player like Darren Butler. You have a returning player in Kyle Soley. Uh, two talented freshmen in Jordan Banks and, 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 and Caleb McCullough. Uh, playing well there too. So I think that this is one group that I know position coach and co-defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce wants to lead the charge for this ASU defense. I think those expectations are definitely realistic. Once that group is all together, healthy, clicking at all cylinders, you can definitely expect big things from this position. But again, right now, just some uncertainty, namely with Merlin Robinson. So Time will tell how the rest of spring practice does look for this unit. When you look at the secondary, obviously maybe a group that aside from the defensive line experience, the biggest adjustment now moving from five to four defensive back look. So the odd man out at safety has been Cam Phillips, who started last year. So you have Evan Fields, 
Last year played the Tillman position, now playing more of a traditional strong safety position. Ashari Croswell as a free safety. In your two corners being Chase Lucas and Jack Jones. Uh, Chase Lucas starting his fourth year as a cornerback, something that is definitely unheard of, especially in a pass-heavy league as a Pac-12. Jack Jones was somebody who played as a reserve last year after transferring from USC via junior college. Uh, Now as a starter, I expect him to have even a better year than he had in 2019. He uh, had double-digit pass breakups as a reserve. That is uh, definitely a feat that uh, should not be taken for granted or minimized. And needless to say, a player that does have uh, NFL potential and both him and Chase Lucas, I think, should have big years as uh, seniors in that defensive back group for Arizona State. And when you talk about the plan to have a better pass rush from the defensive lineman, needless to say, that can definitely improve the play of this secondary quite a bit. ASU had a very disappointing passing defense ranking uh, well in the 100s uh, last year. And that's something that really might have been like the most unpleasant surprise, I think, to come out from the 2019 season. Maybe something that wasn't talked about all that much. And it really wasn't due to poor play by this unit. But I just think the lack of pass rush for Arizona State adversely affected the defensive back unit for Arizona State in a very significant manner. There's no way to overstate that. So this secondary, as experienced as it is, as talented as it is, still needs this defensive line to show up with a more effective pass rush. If that takes place, then you can really get the maximum out of this very, very talented group of safeties and cornerbacks for the Sun Devils. And even though throughout the first week of spring practice, I can say that the pass rush for Arizona State has been very impressive, formidable, off the charts, or anything like that. But nonetheless, I think that the cornerbacks and safeties for Arizona State have making life pretty hard on a, the wide receivers they face every day at practice. So you definitely see encouraging signs that this group, high expectations and all, can definitely perform up to that level. Last but not least, uh, special teams, and obviously the biggest storyline over here is who would replace punter Michael Turk, who somewhat unexpectedly did declare early for the NFL draft. And right now, as a starting punter, we have Kevin Macias, who, if you recall, was taking over the kickoff duties from place kicker Christian Zendayas the last several games of the 2019 season and did quite well in that department. And so far, his performance uh, definitely has been another pleasant surprise you can add to the list for the Sun Devils, really punting the ball quite efficiently. Truth be told that Arizona State is slated to get a grad transfer in the summer. It's a name that I cannot reveal. And once the name is revealed, I think it will make sense why it's held in secrecy as we speak. So I don't know if Kevin Macias will assume the starting punting duties when the 2020 season begins because I think the grad transfer is more or less penciled into that role. But if nothing else, Kevin Macias showed that if he ends up being the backup punter for Arizona State or maybe just being the kickoff guy as he was for the Sun Devils the latter part of 2019, he could definitely be a valuable contributor for this unit no matter what role he plays. Christian Zendayas obviously enters the 2020 season as the starting place kicker. I haven't seen 
too many positives or too many negatives in that respect. And maybe that's one aspect you can just comment in a more educated manner as spring practice progresses. So if I had to construct a short to-do list for Arizona State for the rest of spring practice, at least for this next week before they take a one-week hiatus for spring break, I think you'd like to see the defensive line really make a statement when it comes to their pass rush capabilities, which, as mentioned earlier, just creates a very positive domino effect for the rest of that unit, especially when it comes to the defensive backs. Linebacker, uh, again, with, with the absence of Merlin Robinson, at least for this coming week, and who knows how much longer after that, who exactly can assume his position as the Mike, as the middle linebacker in the, on that unit, how effectively they can play. Uh, that is something that obviously wasn't on any to-do list up until a couple of days ago, but now uh, becomes a significant factor, a significant element that has to be addressed with this Arizona State defense. Moving to the other side of the ball, uh, we mentioned an offensive line that's still very, very young. Ladarius Henderson going through perhaps a vicious learning curve at right tackle. So how well can he grasp that position this coming week? And does this offensive line start clicking more and more, having that beyond vital level of chemistry and cohesiveness that can both contribute to, to the running game and the passing game? That is something to, de- to definitely keep an eye on. And then wide receiver group, again, we're talking about an absence of a key player, in this case, Frank Darby, uh, who are the wide receivers that step up? Sure, we saw Brandon Pierce do very, very well in the first week. Can he continue that momentum going into week two? And who are the wide receivers around him that can take a page of Brett, from Brandon Pierce's book, if you will, and really make a statement early on in spring practice? So those are some of the items that I'm going that myself and the staff are going to be following really, really closely in spring practice this week and the weeks to come. Uh, I would definitely encourage you to check. Our front page at doublesitis.com with all the features, both written and video, from the sessions. And yes, some of those features from spring practice are premium features. So if you're not a premium subscriber, there's a great, great opportunity to jump into the huddle and catch our wall-to-wall coverage of the Sun Devils this time of year. So that'll about do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Our next podcast will be a week from today following Arizona State's basketball's end of the regular season. We'll see how well they position themselves going into the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas. And we'll discuss the second week of spring practice for Arizona State football and see where the team stands at the midway point of their 15 spring sessions. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your week. I was living in a devil town didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town